Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Rich Rebar. We're running back the betting show on Fridays. Now, I, didn't, I didn't make Rich commit to every Friday. We're going to give him some Fridays off, of course, but uh, at least to start the season, bringing in Rich from uh, sharpfootball.com onto, uh, onto the podcast. We're going to make some picks. Same thing as last year. We're going to go through our, our super contest picks, basically, uh, you know, kind of against those, those Westgate lines. Uh, you know, maybe they won't be there every week. But, uh, Rich, you and I, we both already burned one of our, our contest picks for this week with the Kansas City Chiefs minus nine. You know, love, love to start the show off with a good humble brag on, on hitting a, a nine-point home favorite. You love to see it. I, I mean, a lot of people say maybe that's us retro calling a pick, but if you listen to this show at any point last year, you know we just constantly laid points to the Chiefs, and you and I are kind of just uh, on that train. So, you know, hey, you can say that we, we retroed it, but we've, we've, we've got receipts still, too, that uh, we actually cashed those tickets. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, bet bet on uh, bet on the Chiefs, bet on uh, bet on the Ravens, and uh yeah, you just you just kind of take you just kind of take those points when they uh, when they are given. Before we get into our our actual picks, though, for this week, the one thing I wanted to to talk about was what are you kind of mentally doing with home field advantage this year? Are you waiting at less? Are you waiting at the same? Are you trying to you know attack road teams early, thinking that the lines maybe are not sharpened to it? I, for me. I don't really weight it that much anyways. Home field advantage kind of over the last decade has been worth about a point and a half. So it's not something I sweat a ton anyways. Where are you at with home field stuff this year? Yeah, almost really no, not really part of my process anymore just because road teams have been, have just been increasingly better bets uh, over the past three years, especially in most recent memories and outright, you know, away teams were just better bets in totality last year. So, I mean, home field advantage had already kind of been losing its team and we actually have an article at Sharp Football Analysis, a free article that Warren did last year that kind of highlighted it going into last year that home field advantage was an overrated commodity in the betting world. And then last year it played out where away teams were just an outright objectively better bet from a season-long stance. So, yeah, it really doesn't go into my process anymore. Um, and then this year especially because we just don't really know. I will say last last night um, the, the little bit of crowd and whatever extra noise they pumped in there did kind of – it felt like at least from a – uh, maybe yeah. in state felt different, but watching it at home, it felt kind of similar to watching the game. It really didn't feel any difference. Like baseball to me feels totally different when I watch baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. It feels, it feels empty. It feels like dead space. Last night didn't feel like that for the first game. I don't know if we'll have some of the games 
like the Rams are opening that new stadium and they're not going to have fans. Maybe that feels something different. We'll see how it plays out across the other games. But last night did not feel that way. At least it felt like a, a real football game, actually. I was I was shocked. Like I had heard this report that the Chiefs wanted to have fans in the stands, but like I was shocked to see all the people actually there. Like it was just uh, like it's kind of tilting. <laughs> yeah, it was just like what what it's just kind of like what is going on? Like what are these what are these people all doing there? Like I don't know. It was very <laughs> it's very bizarre. And I actually think that that's probably going to be like the most fans that we see in a stadium for the next couple months probably like i i think I that's gonna be that they had they didn't like sell all the tickets they were they made wanted available. to like people there people were trying to dump them i saw before the game uh so not everyone was you know kind of out of their mind <laughs> and, and yeah trying to get that out it was just it really was just one of those things that just felt uh that felt just very very bizarre but you know, whatever. It was nice. It was nice to see the Kansas City Chiefs go out there and uh, and get their win. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, hop into it. This is uh, my my number five pick, my substitution, since I'm not going to count the Chiefs pick for myself. Uh, I am going with the Philadelphia Eagles minus five and a half over Washington. Seems like they're going to get Jalen Rager back. I know that we've gotten a, a ton of good offseason pub about you know, McLaurin and Haskins seems like he's doing better and, and everything. But I, I think my overall take is the Washington football team just doesn't have that many good players. The Eagles have a, what, what would you say, a B-plus defense probably before guys start getting injured. And uh, long-time long take here, Carson Wentz actually good at, uh, at NFL quarterbacking. I, I, I like Philadelphia a good bit here. Five and a half is a lot for them, of course. Are you ready? Because my first is going to be Washington. So let's go heads up on the first. Let's do it. Bit. Yeah, give me, give me the, give me the Washington logic. Yeah. So my buddy Cleve Ta has, has really pushed this all week, and I kind of agree with him on it. So well, we first just look at these two matchups last year. Washington played them like tremendous. Hung with them. Yeah. With both game. Well, the first game they were they were leading late, and they covered in that game. And the second game in week fifteen, they were leading up until thirty seconds left in the game. They actually didn't cover the game because if you remember. Nigel Bradham housed a, uh, a fumble yes. on the lateral play, and, they, and the Philadelphia backdoor covered that way. But they hung with them uh, both games, and you got a, a better coaching staff now in, in your Ron Rivera, and I think a better offensive coach in, in Scott Turner. They're going to incorporate a lot of pre-snap motion. Uh, I like I like the things they did. Haskins improved as the season went on. He actually closed the season not throwing an interception on his final 107 pass attempts. Uh, so if he doesn't turn the ball over and protect the football, but there's a chance here. But I also look at it just from a sense, like Washington does have a clear edge in the front seven, especially if Lane Johnson doesn't play. I mean, we're going to be down three starting offensive linemen if Lane Johnson sits. Washington was already third in the big. NFL. Washington was already last year third in the NFL in pressure rate uh, at 28.5% of opposing dropbacks. And they added Chase Young. So then they're at home, which like I said, doesn't really matter as a fact, but it's, you know, uh, you get a little bit of extra, you know, points there. Um, so, I mean, I, I actually do like the points. I think if it gets lower than like, say, uh, like if it gets, I don't think it would get lower than five, but I think you can get it at six at a lot of places still. Um, and I do like the, like it, like it, if you can get it at six, just cause I feel like it's too many. I think the Eagles went outright, but I think Washington hangs with them actually. So, I mean, uh, I like the, the points there. So my, my rebuttal would be, Actually, with Rager back, I think this is close to like the optimal offense that Philadelphia can run out where they have Rager, Deshaun Jackson, and the two tight ends. I, I actually think with Alshon back, they're a little worse because that means that they're subbing in Alshon for 
Goddard the and three tight ends, the three tight end set. Yeah, the three tight end set, right? <laughs> and, and and Rager and Jackson are pretty good complementary players because we expect Rager at least to at least to start. I expect Rager to be kind of like DJ Moore, where he's just running loads of slants. You know, they're asking him to win one on one instead of throwing in deep balls. And, uh, you know, it seems like Miles Sanders is going to be good to go. It seems like Boston Scott is going to be good to go. Like, we might actually get – I mean, when is the last time we saw a fully healthy Philadelphia Eagles offense? Like, I guess it would have been uh, – we. I guess week one of last year, right? Week one, week one last year, probably. Yeah, yeah. week one. Yeah, so <laughs> – and and I, I guess I am kind of a, a Doug Peterson guy, and I am a Carson Wentz guy as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really, this is more to me about the offense, though the offensive line issue stuff is going to be a big deal. I, I, I think that kind of where I'm at with the Washington football team offense is, is like prove to me that you can go and score three touchdowns in a game, uh, before, before I bet on you to, to cover the spread. Cause I think, I think that the Eagles offense is going to be while healthy, you know, one of the. I don't know, six best offenses in football, probably like, and people don't think of them that way because they don't think of Carson Wentz as being that good. But I mean, he really is. And there are a lot of very good players on this offense as well. So that's the take. There's not often we go against each other. So we'll very, we've got, very we've got, we've got one. We've got one on the board, but it was going to be my low confidence pick anyway. So yeah, that was my, that was my, that was my number five as well. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so you, you get to go now with your number four. Uh, my number four is uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, plus seven, buddy uh, against against the Forty ers um, Again, it just if you look at it last year, I mean, it, it, you're looking at these two matchups last year, and Arizona hung with them both games. And this is a Forty ers team that we're expecting, you know, regression from inherently just based on how above they played on script last year. Uh, they were they had a ton of turnovers. Um, we know that stuff tends to oscillate, you know, yearly. Uh, but Arizona, you know, covered the first game against them. Uh, the second game, they same thing happened to them. They would have covered the second game, but the 49ers had a defensive touchdown as the clock expired uh, on the lateral play that kind of got them a backdoor cover. Uh, you know, you add DeAndre Hopkins, another year of Kyler, another year of Cliff. Uh, plus, I think this the, the, the Cliff made a fundamental change in these teams played the second time. If you look at where they attacked the 49ers in the first matchup, it was all right side of the field, kind of in Richard Sherman's area. Then the second matchup, remember the whole end of the season, teams started to get smart and just like, be like, well, we're just not going to throw over to that side. It took them a while, but uh, then, you know, Emmanuel Mosley started getting picked on and, and um, a fellow Witherspoon, he had to get, you know, he got yanked out of, uh, you know, the starting role those last three weeks of the season. So, I mean, I think Cliff will just approach it better from a game plan stance. And, you know, I think that was Cliff's biggest, you know, attribute as a head coach last year, as a rookie head coach, was just being able to adjust from a head coaching stance of understanding his personnel and playing these teams better the second times that they played. Um, and then um, he saw some game theory issues, but we'll, we'll see what, what develops there in, in year two. But I do just think catching a touchdown is, is a lot for me, and I, I would like to take it. I mean, I want to be all over Arizona early in the season. I guess I don't even know their schedule really past this game because I'm just – I'm flying by the seat of my pants. But I think if sort of the – I think sort of your thesis should be Cliff did get better as the year went on. I think that's huge for young head coaches in the NFL to, like, see them understanding the game and changing things. Yeah, I mean, he definitely does have the field goal issues, like not going for it on fourth and one with a, a mobile quarterback. It's really terrible. I mean, we even saw we like we we saw it uh, on that Thursday night game, like the Chiefs, their first touchdown drive, they just 
they were they had a fourth and one from their own territory and they just lined up and went for it like there was no discussion right like they're just like okay we're doing this I I would like to think that Cliff would get there but the overall thesis for me is Kyler is like the eighth best quarterback in football and he shouldn't be giving like he shouldn't be getting a touchdown because like if you just are looking at strength of quarterback Kyler is better than Jimmy I think the Arizona offense like you know they're not going to be dedicating targets to uh Keyshawn Johnson and Demir Bird this year those are going to be replaced by uh you know DeAndre Hopkins they like this Dan Arnold guy Kenyon Drake is in there from week one. I, I'd like, I, I like to think that we're going to see some cool 21 personnel stuff where Edmonds and Drake are on the field at the same time. And these were really competitive games last year. Anyways, like these were more competitive from Arizona standpoint than some of the other games where they just got blown out. You like, you like the Baltimore game where they just got, they were just kind of uh, chasing from the get go. So yeah, I think this was my, this was my number three. I thought this one was, uh pretty simple just that they're they're gonna cover this game they i i actually think that they can win outright as well the your your rich your 49ers to me seem like the uh stop saying that (laughs) (laughs) they they, to me are giving me big uh 2019 rams vibes where they come off the super bowl and then they're just they just kind of have the identity crisis and uh they they look a lot different on offense and also uh super bowl competing teams that are built off defensive strength like defensive performance is so non-sticky year over year like you really don't it's really you don't know what you're going to get from a defensive standpoint Mm -hmm. yeah uh so uh i i didn't uh, i don't feel crazy about this one this is my number four but it is the carolina panthers plus three against the las vegas raiders I thought this game would kind of be like a pick 'em, honestly. Like, try and tell me that you know for sure well, it opened the Raiders. As a pick, I think when it first really was a pick, yeah, it, it opened yeah. and then got moved. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think that quarterback, I'd maybe give like a five percent edge to uh to Teddy Bridgewater over Derek Carr. Coaching, I you know no no real strong opinions on on what Matt Rule is going to be you know, at the NFL level, I, I, he seems to kind of get it, but I'm not going to say definitively that he's good. I, you know, I do basically, and they're both horrible secondaries, right? Like these secondaries are just going to be, I think this is a very sneaky DFS game actually for mm-hmm. week one. Cause I expect both of the, the secondaries to play really terribly pretty much all season long. So yeah, Carolina plus three, again, not, not really caring about the home road stuff like at all three points just like this should be like a one point spread maybe i love the over in this game mm-hmm. uh, as it stands right now that's my lean uh, in betting the game at 47 and a half is where it's mostly floating right now i love love that you trying to hit by i just think both defenses are awful the only worry i have with the over is just C- carolina was so bad against the run last year and they lost luke keekley if like the raiders really wanted to just give josh jacobs like 25 carries they probably could and slow that game down uh, but I still think that, you know, Carolina's defense is – they're the youngest defense in the NFL. They were one of the worst defense in the league last year. They lost a bunch of pieces. You know, they lost Keekley, They lost Bradbury. They lost Bruce Irvin. Uh, they were the only team in modern uh, history to use all their picks defensively in the NFL draft. Um, and then the Raiders' defense, they added some pieces, but it's not anything you're – like you feel objectively scared about on paper. So, I mean, it's definitely a shootout potential. I think Teddy's a guy that's not going to turn the ball over too, which is – kind of goes yep. into your point of, of taking the points that he's not going to put him in a spot to like really be out of the game either. 
So yeah, I like that. I do like the, I think the over is my lean, but I love that game for DFS. I think that there's some pretty, you know, egregious pricing out there and I'm looking at projected ownership on DJ Moore and like very low. It's very head scratching. I've already written him up for an article, you know, that'll be coming out tomorrow. Just as an ownership buy, I want to be in on him because he's got, he's got a high floor and all he, if he just gets end zone targets this year, his pricing is going to go through the roof. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, his price is going to be, if, if, DJ DJ Moore before he got injured I believe it was week 14 or 15 I can't remember off the top of my head he was the wide receiver seven in PPR anyway with like Mm -hmm. no scoring opportunities like DJ Moore with uh DK Metcalf level of end zone targets is like the wide receiver three in fantasy like it would just be absurd because he is he is uh so Julio Jones-esque in terms of gaining yards and uh he kind of does have that uh that unique NFC South problem of for some reason not being targeted in the red zone. So Arizona was my number three. So back to you for your number three. Uh, my number three is the Cowboys. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are on the Rams side still. Imagine, uh, imagine it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think the Cowboys, man, like their, their offense is just too electric. I'm a little, like the one concern is, you know, obviously the, the defensive changes on the back end and then Lyle Collins being out this game. Uh, like those things are are in play, but I just think that they upgraded so much by swapping out a guy that could only play the slot in Randall Cobb, and you know losing Jason Witten and elevating you know um, Blake Jarwin's role and then adding CD Lamb. Because what CD Lamb allows Dallas to do now is to not play their wide receivers at just set positions. You know they can move all those guys around. CD Lamb around percent of his routes in the slot last year at Oklahoma uh, Amari Cooper splits in the slot versus outside are just night they're so dramatically skewed to like he crushes in the slot and I hope someone in that staff has noticed that and they want to move him around too but it just gives them prime offensive flexibility uh, I think that you know keeping Kellen Moore was a big deal for continuity purposes and and, and uh, you still have punch of Zeke and, and Tony Powell. That, that was like winning the off season, like keeping, keeping Kellen Moore mm-hmm. and not being dumbasses and firing him when they fired Jason Garrett was, I, I think so sharp. And then you look at the Rams, what they lost defensively straight up the middle in Corey Littleton uh, and Eric Weddle and Nikel Roby Coleman, who was, you know, a top five uh, slot corner last year, uh, you know, and replacing those guys with all guys that haven't played uh, really, you know, uh, the linebacker replacing Corey Littleton didn't even play at all last year. He didn't play a snap. David Long was a rookie last year. He's playing slot corner. He only played a hundred snaps. So, I mean, the middle of the field is really hurt for them. They, you know, they still have Aaron Donald. They still have an edge, you know, up there. But uh, I just think that Dallas is, is too good uh, offensively here. Um, and, you know, they boat raced them last year anyways, too. I don't think that that is really a part of my process, them, them absolutely destroying the Rams last year, but it did happen. Uh, I just think that they're a lot better football team. I think the Rams are more of like a 500, a 7-9 to nine win team, and I think the Cowboys have potential to be like an 11-win team. So I'm just going to lay the three because I think they're just objectively better. Uh, this was my number one. Uh, this 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 spread well this spread should be like four and a half because Dallas has the better Dal- I mean Dallas has the better offensive coordinator I'll give head coach to the Rams for sure I mean McVay like we can talk all we want like I, I think that McVay is a sharp guy I think that some of the mistakes he makes are excusable and I think that he is also capable uh guy of self-scouting and improving like I expect the Rams to be I expect the Rams to look different on offense this year than they did last year you know McVay 
some of the things he did to change the problems that came up in the playoffs for the Rams last year involved um, using a bunch of Cooper Cup. I think that Everett and Higby are going to be some of his solutions to that this year. I think they're going to play loads of 12. But, I mean, Dallas was the best offense in the NFL last year. And they gained more yards per play than the Chiefs, more than the Ravens. That's, that's just a, it is a, a statistical truism. I expect the defense to be worse, right? I, I think that the loss of Byron Jones, like Byron Jones is the best cornerback in the NFL or, or one of the three best defensive backs in the NFL. I think that's going to hurt. But healthy front seven, you know, where Jared Goff struggles the most is under pressure. I expect them to dial up uh, a lot of pressure on Jared Goff, you know, he's, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL when hurried or when being hit. He just he just makes terrible decisions because Sean McVay is not there in his helmet to tell him uh, exactly what to do. But th- we were talking about this before the show, but I, I kind of put the Cowboys this season in the category with, uh, with Lamar and with Mahomes where I'm like, if I think they are going to win the game, like I think they're the winning team, I'm not really going to sweat the points that much because they're probably going to score 35. Like, they're just going to put up so many points. I, I think that the replacing the 166 Jason Witten and Randall Cobb targets with more targets to CeeDee <laughs> Lamb and Michael Gallup, like, is that is that the biggest uh, year-over-year upgrade for any team at a position? Like, it, it's got to be close, right? I mean, we all just watched Randall Cobb run win sprints last night. Like, he's got nothing left. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I'm excited. I, obviously, because what it is, is the Cowboys don't really have a one, two or three wide receiver. They have like a one A, a one B and a one C wide receiver. Like, and they'll probably oscillate week to week. There'll probably be weeks where all those guys kind of get off. And like I said, if they start moving those guys around too, I mean, it's just going to make Dak so good. And then you look at Zeke, his in for over uh, Zeke Elliott's career, his percentage of runs into heavy boxes has, de- has decreased every year of his career. And last year was his, his lowest of his career. And, you know, they averaged, they were number one in yards per carry running out of 11. And it's only going to help them. Like their run game used to be efficient when they used to just line up and count on their offensive line and Ezekiel to win. And they were winning that way, which was fine. But now they're actually yeah, smarter with their run game because of the personnel that they now have. And the run game is even going to be awesome too. I just like they're going to be an offensive juggernaut this year. Like I said, Lyle Collins being out is like a is like a is a bump on the road. And you know, obviously Travis Frederick retiring, uh, but you know, Collins will come back, and I think that there'll be a team that just is among the the league's best offenses, the wire to wire. Yeah, I, I just I think that uh, this is an example of a line that would look a lot different in three weeks after we've seen these teams play some games, I would expect that, you know, same game. This line would be like four and a half or, uh, or five. All right. So now we're on your, we were oh, in yours. Yeah. that was mine. And you just picked okay. it because you had it one. Right. So that was my number one pick. So uh, let me look at my list here. Oh, my, uh, my number two pick was the Detroit lions minus three against the, uh, the Trubisky Chicago bears. I, I don't think it changes full as Trubisky at quarterback. I, I'm kind of into Detroit. Now, obviously, Patricia sucks, but uh, I, I mean, Stafford last year before he got injured, he was playing like a guy who was going to get MVP votes. He was he was phenomenal. And uh, this Adrian Peterson stuff is going to be super tilting if you are holding a Detroit Lions ticket. But I think, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, just look at the quarterback gap in this game, right? So it's one of the widest quarterback gap games of 
the week. And uh, if we think Nagy is pretty average, we think Pachurcha is pretty average, uh, I'm pretty comfortable just being like, look, give me Stafford and, and three points. I feel good about that one. I love the over in that game. Uh, yeah, this is another good DFS game. I love the over in the game. I think it's really sneaky from an individual player stacking stance, like you said, but I do like a lot of pieces in this game. I, I Hopefully Kenny Galladay is right. Uh, I did see he still did individual drills and that was kind of like more precautionary. So hopefully he's right for that, for my hopes of betting the over. Uh, but I do love that over. It's like sitting like what, 42 and a half uh, in a lot of places. I definitely like that a lot. Uh, Cause Trubisky has been good against the lions uh, over his career. Like good. Like he's thrown three or more touchdowns the past three times they played. So at least there's some upside there of like him being able to battle uh, with Stafford and they just don't get boat raced. But uh, I, I do like the over in that game a lot, man. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm liking that one. Okay. So what is your number two game? Uh, my number two is the Seahawks. Um, just cause it's a spot that I just can't get away from. It's Russell Wilson in the Eastern time zone. Uh, so like everyone has like their systematic bets that they lean on. And this is like one of mine. I, I literally, anytime they, you know, cause they never get enough points when they go East. Uh, they always get discounted those teams and Russell Wilson, since he was drafted in 2012, Seattle's a league best nine, 21 and nine in the Eastern time zone on the road. They're 19, nine and two against the spread. They've won eight straight games in the Eastern time zone, uh, six, one and one against the spread over that span. Uh, this this spot they were in last year. They beat Atlanta. I just think it, you know, one, they're just a better team than Atlanta altogether. Uh, and you look at the, the Atlanta defense where they have kind of like their hole is, is a complete mismatch for the two best players in the Seattle offense outside of Russell Wilson. And that's a cornerback starting, you know, rookie AJ Terrell, who they bypassed CD Lamb for. Uh, and then Isaiah, second year cornerback Isaiah Oliver. Um, so, I mean, it's DK Metcalf, I think is an extreme mismatch in this game. Uh, Tyler Lockett and, you know, Russ always have the mind meld going. Um, and then like Atlanta's gonna be able to score points. So like Seattle probably won't just have to revert to just leaning on where they played last year. Matt Shaw played. They only threw uh, five passes in the second half of that game, like typical Schottenheimer Seattle stuff. Uh, but I don't think that will happen this year. But uh, I think that any, if this game is, if you get under a field goal, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep betting it. So uh, just cause I think Seattle's better. They add Jamal Adams. They add Quentin Dunbar. The secondary is better. Um, in Atlanta, like, we still don't know outside of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, like, what they have, even offensively, uh, even though we know the volume is going to be there. And I do think Hayden Hurst is a great, like, you know, just value play tight end this week because he's so dirt cheap in DFS at both sites. Uh, but I he's like gonna be He's going to be the stone chalk Hurstis, I, I think. I mean, there's really no way – there's no way to get around it, uh, just where he's priced on both sites and the, and the volume and, you know, how Seattle defended tight ends last year. People are going to just latch on to that stuff, and I will too probably just he's so cheap. Yeah, well, you know, uh, what what can you do? I so I think this game is really interesting because I I actually expect Atlanta to be the public side because you know we like people people kind of think about Seattle and they're like, "Oh, you know, they don't let they don't let Russ cook, like they play kind of in a suboptimal way." The the great thing about um betting on Seattle though is they uh they're just so unlikely to surrender leads because of how they play. Like they're going to be a really good third down team because Russell Wilson is so phenomenal and they're just going to, they're just going to own that clock. They're just going to bleed. Like if they are up, if they're up uh, 17 to 10 at halftime and they get the ball back, I would basically be like spending that money already. It's just so, it's so the way that they play uh, when they have a lead is so low variance Mm -hmm. that it's just, it's so hard for them to lose those games. 
Yeah, and see, I mean, it's one of those things. We we're, we get frustrated about the 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 Seattle, you know, let Russ cook narrative, but they come through in these spots, and I'm just gonna keep following until it bites me. Yeah, uh, I mean, bet, again, <laughs> betting on Seattle is incredibly frustrating because if they tra- like if they're trailing, is if they're down 17-10 at the half, and they get the ball back, and they come out and they go three and out because they just handed the ball to Chris Carson three times, like you're gonna be like, great awesome like why why did I do this to myself but we always we always can tell ourselves we can always hope you know just a little bit that uh that Mr. Unlimited is in fact going to uh you know have the have the reins taken off like I I I just I I always want to believe in my heart of hearts that Pete Carroll is reading on his Twitter and he is like man come on come on guys like all right I get it I get it. Like we're going to throw 44, we're going to throw 45 times a game. I just, I, I want it. I want it so bad, but you know, but we, we try not to wish cast on those guys as much as possible, but I'm, yeah. I'm with you on this one. I, I like this one. The reason why I didn't make my list is uh, because I just am kind of trying to keep this game out of the forefront of my thought in general, because this is the chalk <laughs> DFS game. Right. Like I, like I think that like, I don't know, 50% of rosters in like single entry and three max contests are going to have a player from this game. So I'm trying to, uh, one of the things I'm trying to do with DFS this first week is just anyone who the public is confident about. I don't want to be anywhere near it because it's just going to be, it's just going to be so random. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. I mean, we're not to make this, we've, we've talked a lot about DFS though, but I mean, how are you handling week one in general? Are you playing like a typical um, allotment of bankroll you typically would are, are you coming in cautious uh yeah i am i am playing normal amounts <laughs> i'm playing i'm playing cash on DraftKings and vanduul uh the the thing that i'm doing though is like generally i would not try and fight the chalk that hard but like someone like antonio gibson who is being thrust into this really high roster. Like he's going to be on so many rosters. Uh, I'm going to make a conscious effort to get away from that. This Seattle Atlanta game, you know, usually the way I would combat the chalk would be like to make every Seattle and Atlanta player I use part of a game stack, like have Matt Ryan be two Atlanta pass catchers, one Seattle pass catcher. And I think I'm just going to skip it entirely. I think I, I think I am just going to go a different direction in my in my MME set but yeah I, I it's we've been waiting so long for football I can't I can't regulate my exposure at all I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be all in yeah yeah I was actually thinking about playing less cash than I typically would and more just you know doing my tournament uh you know plays just because you know if we're so wrong even on the core plays because we typically don't care about ownership like Antonio Gibson in like a cash lineup is is totally different than 30 percent weight in in a large field tournament uh, and he's a lot easier to fade in, in, under those circumstances. But in a cash setting, it's like, oh, well, min price, pass catcher. Like, what are you going to do, man? <laughs> you just eat those. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so we cover, I think we, we get all five of yours. Yeah, we got all of them. We just went out of a weird order because your number three pick was my number one pick. But yeah, we, uh, we, we got through it. We my, did my, it. My number one is still up on the board. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's do it. What's your number one? My number one is the Colts. Uh, my, oh yeah, Jacksonville yeah, sucks so bad. I, I was trying to think of what number like I wouldn't bet the Colts at, and they so Four, it fourteen. Me, oh, yeah, so I remember, this reminds me eerily. This Jaguars like layout reminds me eerily of the Miami Dolphins the start of last year. Remember the Dolphins were only seven point dogs to the Ravens in Week One, 
and then they got just like obliterated. And I don't think the Colts are Ravens levels of good this year. I definitely think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Uh, and then if you remember, like for the next five weeks, the Dolphins were just like they had outrageous lines. Like they were 18-point dogs, 22-point dogs, like 15-point dogs. Like th- the market just didn't set it that high to open. And I think that's what we're going to have with the Jaguars. I think we're going to see the Jaguars be like really huge dogs uh, for more the majority of the season. Uh, so I feel like even getting single digits is going to be one of the few times you can get a team laying single digits to the Jaguars. And especially a team that I believe is going to just run down their throats if they want to. Uh, in the Colts. Uh, and so, I mean, and the Colts actually added a bunch of pieces defensively that I like, and I think it'll be hard for the Jaguars to score uh, on, the, on the Colts as well. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, I just tried to think about like, what would the line be uh, that I wouldn't pick the Colts? And I think it was two touchdowns. <laughs> so basically, yeah, just, just lock it in. I'm, I'm laying the points here. Uh, I don't care. Cause I think the Jaguars are, are not trying to win games. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, dude, they cut Leonard Fournette. They cut, they cut, uh, you know, one of the 10 best running backs in the NFL. So obvious, like, right. Obviously they're not trying to win. That was the clear sign of tanking. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't going into the season with uh, Gardner Minshew and Jake Lutton. Uh, you know, it wasn't trading all of their good defensive players. It was, it was the Leonard Fournette cut that, uh, that signed that, you know, that showed that they were tanking. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how, how the, how, how it changes over the course of the week. So I guess their schedule isn't like as bad as the Dolphins was to open last year. Cause the Dolphins did play like a bunch of playoff teams in retrospect, but I still think that we're going to see them be like double digit dogs in, in, in more of their games than not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and you know, the other great thing about betting on the Colts as a massive favorite is they have like the ultimate team to be set up to play downhill. Like they have oh, that yeah. amazing run blocking line. Like Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor are probably going to both run for a hundred yards in this game. Like they're just gonna, Oh, oh, that's a good question. Let's, let's end, let's end on this. What do you have projected for Jonathan Taylor week one? Because he is free on FanDuel. He is $5,400 on FanDuel. And if you think that he can even get 50% of the carries in this game, I do, I do like him there. Yeah, I think I've got him at, uh, let's see. And this is the part of Rinlow's the podcast where I open a spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> I, I have him slightly ahead of Mac in touches just because I'm, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling optimistic. And I do uh, have Mac know. ahead just for the open, but I mean, it's almost, it's almost a 50, 50 split. So I have Taylor at 14 carries. Uh, and then the, uh, um, Marlon Mack at, at 16. So like I have him at 30 carries and then, then them rushing for almost uh, 200 yards as a team. But I think that, but that's only because the projection's not going to let me like punch them in for like six and a half yards per carry, which I believe is in the range of outcomes. <laughs> you know, like the, the projection machine's not going to spit out like, yo, these dudes are going to run for seven yards a carry. Yeah, these dudes, <laughs> these dudes are going to, these dudes are both going to run for 112 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, like, but I think that, that can happen. Exists. I actually think both guys are interesting. I actually think Mac in tournaments is kind of interesting because I think Taylor, looking at projected ownership, people are on. He's going to be higher. Bit. Yeah. Just, well, and he's and he's cheaper too. So I think people will just say, well, I'm not going to play. Because I think they're more interesting on FanDuel than they are DK. Um, and I think pe- Mac is more expensive on FanDuel. So people will just say, well, I'm not going to pay. I'm going to take that 700 salary and just go to Taylor. But I think from a game theory stance, uh, you know, Mac is pro- probably the optimal uh, tournament play uh, over them. Because, I mean, one, we're just hoping to get the touchdowns. But I do think that Taylor can do more on his 14 carries than Mac can do on his 16. Because, like, he has, like, that uh, almost, you know, well, he's the best, like, arguable runner we've had coming to the NFL ever. So, like, uh, you know, he could easily – he's the guy – I don't – like, Matt can't have a 60-yard touchdown run, but Taylor can. 
So yeah. Like oh that. yeah. I mean, John. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor can just get around the edge. Yeah, he can. You know what? Jonathan Taylor is kind of like Derrick Henry ish. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he is very much. Actually, I mean, he's you know he's not like a as much of like a unicorn as he's like physically built, but they're gonna. Yeah. I think they're gonna be similar. I mean, I still had a hard time in PPR elevating Taylor. Uh, just because of the same factor, like there's probably been a lot of weeks where like Taylor has efficient games where he has like 95 rushing yards and 16 carries, but if you don't get a touchdown, he's going to be an RB three in PPR. So like it, that sucks. Like it's, you know, the Derrick Henry thing without a touchdown, Derrick Henry has never had RB two game or better. Like it's the, I think that Taylor at least year one is going to be like that. Unless somehow these guys all catch more passes than we think. Um, no, it's, just, it's going to be oh, Naheem not, Hines yeah. is Naheem Hines is going to catch 50 passes, but record like 36 rushes total. Like it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be one of those. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I think the public is definitely on Jonathan Taylor. Cause obviously, you know, they draft him on their teams and their redraft teams. Um, yes. But I mean, if you were a zero RB team though, or, or if you drafted like a Deandre Swift and you took Marlon Mack just cause he kept staying on the board and you were just like, well, I'm just going to take him. Yeah. He I got, mean, he got the nut week one matchup. Yeah. Like you're going to be able to put him in your lineup and that's, and for a lot of guys that were drafted in that area of the draft, uh, you cannot say the same thing about in terms of zero RB targets and RB two targets or fringe flex targets. Um, and if you're, like I said, if you, it's even better if you're waiting on a guy that you like long-term, uh, like a Swift or someone uh, that just has a questionable role week one, uh, you get to play that guy. It just because it's it's a stone great matchup. Uh, they ran for their their running backs ran for 350 yards in two games against the Jaguars and four touchdowns. Uh, so you're gonna be able to play Marlon Mack. I think he's like an RB two plus guy. I think both guys are top 24 backs um, in half PPR. Um, and then just like if they if one of them doesn't score a touchdown, they fall out to RB three level in PPR. Yeah, you're what you're doing right now is you're talking me into playing a lot of Jonathan Taylor on FanDuel, which you know that could work out or it could not. Maybe I'll do maybe I'll do the double onslaught. Colts defense plus Mac plus Taylor. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see Colts de- defense be very popular. I was looking at ownerships last night and Taylor's was a little higher, but it wasn't as high as I thought based on his price. I thought he would be a great like I thought people would just flock to him in tournaments, especially in FanDuel when I, but his ownership wasn't egregious. We'll see if that changes, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like uh, that's, that's the one thing is I think that right now stuff is pretty spread out. Cause we're going in with so like so little information, but like, you know, if we get a couple injuries, like, you know, if, uh, if Kenny G sits or something like when we get, when we get there on Sunday, stuff is really going to start to, uh, to coalesce. I think so. It's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a great slate. Uh, everyone, you know, th- uh, of course, if you're not already follow rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves, uh, check out his stuff on sharpfootball.com listen to uh his his podcast with chad scott getting the getting the band back together it's uh pre, pre-snap motion pre-snap yep. reads pre-snap, pre-snap motion. motion yeah it's uh it's very good so it's, uh, it's always good to get uh it's always good to get uh rich's rich's uh, sweet sweet vocal cords in your eardrums and uh of course everyone good luck in week one Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital360. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s. 
1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.